I love content marketing because I, I think it encompasses all forms of marketing. You can't have marketing without content, any form of marketing. Um, so I don't think traditional marketing differs a whole lot from content marketing um, or digital marketing or life cycle or anything else. Um, content marketing is like the glue for communicating successfully to your audience, right? Um, so it's fine. It's it's basically like fine tuning traditional marketing um, where traditional marketing focuses on the four P's, product, price, place, and promotion. Content marketing um, is able to turn a product into a brand, a price into value, um, place into distribution, and then promotion into a user experience. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Wisenetics podcast episode. I'm Ricardo Vivian, business development lead at Wisenetics, uh, one of the main companies when it comes to technical content production in the livestock industry. Uh, I'm a gold medalist uh, in graphic design and the largest uh, skills competition, the World Skills. And for the past 10 years, I've been adventuring myself uh, in communication, marketing, but also education and business. Uh, about two years ago, I joined the livestock industry, and it's been a great adventure so far. Um, and today, we're launching one more episode of this new project, the Wisenetics Podcast. This 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 podcast has the objective of highlighting the profile of professionals and leaders that make the industry happen, uh, more specifically in terms of business and marketing. And uh, the idea also is to you know, create a platform, a hub for people, professionals to share their ideas and visions about the industry, about the world, but also about themselves. Uh, today I have here with me Jody Chapman. Jody is the marketing manager uh, at Anitox, a company that provides pathogen and control, uh, pathogen control and milling efficiency solutions. Welcome, Jody. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. We're really, really happy to have you here. Uh, so Jody, uh, for us, we, we like to start with a brief introduction, uh, you know, from our guests for, so the, the audience learn a little bit more about them. So if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. So I'm Jody Chapman and I, I like you said, I work for Anatox as the marketing manager. Um, we're a B2B biotech company. Um, prior to that, I worked at an agency that specialized and digital marketing and web design. Um, and then before that, I was fortunate to write for um, several different publications across the country on several different topics, everything from city guides and restaurant reviews to political and state matters. So that was really fun. Um, and then on a personal note, I also have three little guys um, and they keep me running circles around them and my coffee. So yeah, there's all stuff. That's one important part. Uh, yeah. So, uh, your background is in, uh, marketing, communication, and more specifically writing then. Yeah. Content creation. Yeah. Content, content creation, digital marketing, that realm. Okay. That's good. You're a good fit for us then. Uh, Jody, uh, curiosities, like what are the three, uh, main experience experiences or achievements uh you had so far and please bring it can they can be professional or uh personal sure yeah um 
Yeah. So I, when I was working for the agency, um, we specialized in the hospitality industry. Um, we had clients from mom and pop um, vacation rentals to high-end um, boutique hotels. And I remember working for a client um, one time and they had very, very high-end um, vacation rentals, like $10,000 a day to stay at these vacation rentals. Um, and we had to complete a branding and messaging package for them. Um, as you could imagine, you know, at that price point, um, they were they were very particular in every aspect of digital marketing, rightfully so. Um, so we were able to work hand in hand with them and, you know, listen to their vision um, and then combine it and and create something that had really only been an idea in their head. Um, and it was a valuable lesson for me in collaboration. Um, and then also just listening to all of the fine details um, that people have, because really it's those details that make up the idea or the vision that they've got. So that was um that was fun. And it was a fun, um, you know, it was, it was fun to kind of play in that, um, in that space. Cause that's not my day to day. I don't, I don't stay at $10,000 a night vacation rentals. Uh, it was fun. I'm trying to imagine here how it looks like a room or the whole experience. Beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah. I mean, just amazing places and in one of the most amazing cities in the U S so yeah. And it's it was cool. really fun, but yeah. Um, did it, did it didn't they give you like, uh, you know, a night for trial? So you fill it and you can bring the right concept to the really, whole project. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no, they didn't. But that's okay. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure that maybe that offer stands somewhere down the road, hopefully. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah. And then um, and then when I moved on to my current role, um, you know, my background, like I said, is in digital marketing. Um, so. I'm very comfortable there and in, in, in that space and in the content space. Um, and um, when I joined my current team, um, I that we, we do several in-person events, right? Um, trade shows being one of them. Um, and um, trade shows are just kind of naturally a part of the B2B world, um, it, but it's not something that I, like I said, that I immersed myself in. So my first trade show that I did um, was not a small one by the, by industry standards, um, and I was so uncomfortable. Um, I didn't know the right questions to ask, um, and I needed to phone a friend probably more times than I should have, um, but it really helped me get over two hurdles, which was um, guesswork, um, just eliminating guesswork and learning how to raise my hand. Um, just like when you plan any large event, there's a ton of details to consider. Um, and if you don't know the answer, you know, you can't just cross your fingers and, and hope that you get it right. Um, you really have to know, you really have to know what you're doing because you could screw up something else essentially. So, um, so yeah, you don't want to affect the whole production by making wrong decisions somewhere else. So you have to find the folks who know the answers and ask the right questions. Um, and it really, it really is that it sounds so simple, but for me, it was a learning curve. So yeah, that was, but it was fun and, and it did, uh, um, it, you know, went off well and, and it was a lot of fun and it's really something that I enjoy. I enjoy now. I enjoy doing trade shows and, and all of the details that are involved in them. Yeah. It being the, you know, being in touch with the live stock industry. 
this is a must, <laughs> right? Like uh, trade shows and things like, uh, and for me, it's kind of a uh, challenge because we like uh, Wisenetics is, is a fully digital company. Like we don't have headquarters or anything like that. And the idea for us is to keep in this arena. That's where we want to play. But, you know, in person is such an essential part of this industry. Lots of like the decisions and things uh they happen you know in in-person events conversations trade shows so and for me it's always a challenge to you know understand and find a balance of like hey okay like in person is really important but you know there's the whole digital world where people where you're gonna have access to people and uh you know much easier than uh you know it's where they're they're gonna be in their offices and everything you cannot like just uh uh put yourself in a position where you're going to be just traveling and traveling all the world to, to have your job done. So yeah, it's, it's a fair point though. And I think that you guys do a really, a really good job of, you know, incorporating that like in-person feel in a digital space. Um, and there's a lot of really cool technologies out there now that you are able to do that with. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, you're never going to replace a face-to-face -face meeting. Um, but but there's a lot of good technologies out there. Yeah. Uh, Jody, so uh, after our introduction here, we like to start talking a little bit more about business and about marketing. And the question we always ask for this transition is like, how would your parents describe what you do? <laughs> um, yeah, they would probably say, I don't really know what she does. Um, but she's really good at fixing my computer. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she works in you know her computer like that's her profession. <laughs> okay, yeah, I got. Uh, I am a designer by uh, you know, by my education was in design, so it's it's a hard time for my parents sometimes to describe exactly what I do. Well, nowadays it's easier because <laughs> I'm doing other things also. But yeah, uh, so. Now talking about uh, marketing, Jody. Uh, you mentioned your arena is digital marketing. That's one of the things you're interested in and have your expertise. So uh, how do you compare? Like how do you see uh, the presence of digital marketing and uh, nowadays and how it it's part of people's lives? Um, and also, how do you think that companies should bring the digital world uh, to their strategies, you know, the digital marketing to their strategies, to the, their, their way of doing communication and marketing. Yeah. Um, so I think the biggest change that we've seen is the way that we consume content. Um, you know, when I was growing up um, and not that long ago um, in the, you know, in the nineties, my dad used to read the paper every day. You know, my mom would listen to the news reports on TV or on the radio and the amount of information that we used to consume or at least try to consume um, was huge and probably probably unnecessary. Um, now, you know, we, we turn to post on social media or we skim blogs um, for like an overview of an event or an idea. We're given snapshots of products, um, you know, whether they land in front of us um, by distribution or we land in front of them by search. Um, and, and I think that, you know, companies need to be really aware of that, that, um, the, 
we don't have a long span of time to reach these folks anymore. Um, and we need to stay top of mind in our respective spaces um, and create digestible content consistently. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, uh, about this volume of information, like they used to, our parents, uh, you know, uh, old time, uh, they used to, yeah, have a good volume of information, probably. But uh, I feel one of the big changes from those types is like, for me, the volume is much bigger, but at, at the same time, it's much more, I don't know, uh, um, I missed the word. Oh, by the way, if you're listening, I am Brazilian, so sorry for my English if I make any mistakes here. But it's shallow is the the word. Like people are more are looking more like just for the calling, like the titles. That it feels like every time more people are paying attention just to the 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 brief idea about the subject and not really diving into the content. Generally saying, I'm not saying everyone does like that, but it feels like for me, it feels like. The, the tendency it, it's uh, for people to, yeah, don't, don't dive too deep. You know, they're not, I feel like most people are not diving deep into the content. And for me, that's a challenge. Like uh, I was reading this book, uh, which I forgot the name and I would have to translate right now. But basically the author was saying, hey, we are in a, we are in a moment, a period of uh, humanity where we have such great volumes of information that we are just learning how to ignore things and our brain like you're you know rolling through scrolling through pages uh seeing lots of content but we are not really absorbing uh when when we are out there in the media channel in social media or anything you're fighting against not only like sometimes we tend to think oh my competitors are these and these and that those are the group of competitors yeah, they, they might compete for your budget or anything like that. But when it comes to communication, I feel like every piece of information or publicity or anything that is out there is competing for uh, the audience's attention. You know, and it, it feels like it's much easier today to, ju you know, just to be ignored. We, can, we cannot pay attention to everyone. We would go crazy. I was just talking to, to, to one of our, our guests the other day. And, uh, I told him like, I, I lost my, my, my grandfather this year. Uh, he was 93. So now, yeah, it's fine. Like he, he lived a good life, a long life. He was 93 and it was incredible because he could remember like the whole story and he would give you the date like, oh, in 10th of May of 1972, this happened. And I went out, I was like, wow, like how can you remember? And the, the point is. Nothing was really like he didn't get all the information of what was going on in the world at that time, or like he has la lasting books, right? And it was much easier. And today, it's really hard for us to retain things because it's too much information. Sorry for the whole talk here, but I I just wanted to bring like this. You're absolutely right. There is so much content out there. I saw some stat the other day, and I can't remember what it was, but I mean, it was like, it was like. I mean, it was like terabytes of, you know, content that's out there. I mean, it's just, it's, it's overwhelming for sure. But I think that that has made content better um, in the way that we make content better because, you know, you have to be, or people, people are going to just scroll right past you. So. Yeah. No, what, no, it's, it's not a surprise that clickbaits are, 
are getting <laughs> like you know they make this great call and then you see the content wow but and then you gotta fight against this and you know have a consistent content something that will bring value to people it's 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 a it's almost like a war <laughs> in my view i know, so. I know. uh and okay so you brought this uh both digital marketing and uh linking that with content marketing how how do you see this comp uh, these differences of like how marketing was done i don't know 10 20 uh, years ago and how it is uh, like the tr more traditional marketing let's say in comparison with uh content marketing like how do you see the differences yeah um well i love content marketing because i i think it encompasses all forms of marketing you can't have marketing without content any form of marketing um so i don't think traditional marketing differs a whole lot from content marketing um or digital marketing or life cycle or anything else um content marketing is like the glue for communicating successfully to your audience right um so it's fine it's it's basically like fine-tuning traditional marketing um where traditional marketing focuses on the four p's product price place and promotion content marketing um is able to turn a product into a brand a price into value um, place into distribution and then promotion into a user experience. Um, so for me, it's like traditional marketing is like looking at a square where content marketing is like looking at the whole cube. So, I mean, and it's fun. I mean, it's, it, you really have a real ability to be creative and to think outside of the box. Perfect. Enough. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I see this transformation happening in, uh, in the livestock, especially because like working in wise and addicts we that's our focus like content marketing and i see like this transition of like i really feel that companies like before social media well at least before social media had uh have been part of most of people's lives it was much more product centered you know in general generally saying people uh things were much more product centered talking about features and why the product is great and everything and now I, I love that the, the discussions, the conversation and the conversation and the communication of brands with people is expanding much more and, uh, you know, giving room to, yeah, not, they're not trying to, not all brands, but most brands right now, they're not trying to sell people, right? They are trying to, Hey, let's have a talk. Let's talk about things generally, and then creating this, this bound, this relationship that is not like just a. Buy, buy and sell relationship yeah. which is so nice like it feels so human to me so much more than just selling a product one of the things that i i feel like since i i started my career is that a, a few concepts they were not really in uh well known or discussed in the industry in general at least i i i was i was not seeing that well i think i got like the the rate the the rays of the subjects which were like the communication of brands as people like tone of voice yes I, I again i i i started working in 2012 but I, I really feel like this the it was it has increased a lot the number of times i i listen to people and professionals talking about a tone of voice you know about a deeper identity uh something that really connects and uh to people and you know makes engagement yeah possible 
Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and you can recognize those brands, you know, without them even identifying as, you know, whatever their whatever their name is. Um, I mean, when they when you can do that, when you can nail, you know, your voice and your messaging, I mean, people really connect with that, I think. So, yeah, and I, I know, like, if we think like uh, there are industries and industries. So uh, I understand that livestock industry right now, it's not in for in my opinion, in general, it's not in the same pace as other industries uh, and maybe having a company with a really human tone of voice and communication is uh, is hard because of the audience, you know, because of basically the, the context, right? If you compare, I don't know, to uh, how a Netflix will talk to their audience in Twitter or anything like that, how they engage. And I'm bringing this more with the perception of how things are in Brazil, like how they answer to the comments and everything it looks like hey it's so cool i'm talking to a friend it's not like a bureaucratic brand or company that is you know following in lots of procedures no it really feels like a true connection yeah for sure wendy's is like the best but um i don't know if you've seen their twitter if you haven't you got to go check it out but um they're so funny but um i i think part of it too in the ag industry anyways is that you know Anatox has been around for 50 years and a lot of these companies have been around for a very long time um, and they've been doing things um, the way they've been doing them successfully for a very long time. Um, you know, when you talk about like Netflix, streaming services, things, things that are relatively new, you know, they're able to kind of make that space for themselves because they're new. Right. Um, so I think it's, a, you know, it's it's just kind of just just kind of adapting to the way that things are are moving and changing yeah and the the, the type of they are they sell entertainment basically so it's a different approach it's not like uh and this is one thing like f another another thing about ba balance for me is like okay we need to and this is something we are trying to do uh here at wise and addicts we want to show people that we are experts in terms of content like we have people and we have connections with like the as we say, the brightest minds of the industry. Uh, so at the same point, we want to bring content and technical content and show credibility, show you're an expert. We want to do it in a way that is not boring for people. Like, okay, we're going to create a, a podcast. It's fine. Well, we're not great. We have it. <laughs> but how do we make for people to, you know, engage with us? They're, they're going to be technical people. Some people older, some younger, but mostly like with a good experience in the industry. How to create this image where you're an expert, but also you're not boring. You want you want to you want to you want to you want people to learn with you, but you want, you don't want to bore them. It's not like you're sitting in an old school class, like you know. Now, no, people people today, they, in in our opinion, the way we see things, people want want to learn new things, but not. They don't don't want to get like, hey, gotta I gotta listen to this because I need otherwise. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, I think people want to learn new things um, when the new things provide value to them, right? Um, they don't, you know, I don't. We're not just looking to go to school anymore. I don't think we we need something that that's really, um, you know, adds something to our lives. Um, and and as far as like technical content is concerned. Um, I totally agree with you. I think that it should be shared from like a thought leadership stance, um, you know, sort of like 
here are the facts, um, here's how we interpret them, and here's how we can make a difference knowing X, Y, or Z. Um, and yeah, and then I, yeah, I think, I think, I think it's important too to consider the platform that you're sharing it on, um, the audience that you're sharing it with, and, and where in the funnel um, you're delivering technical content. Um, because just like you said, you don't want to come off. Um, you, you a you don't want to overshare, and b um, you don't want to you don't want to just share just for the sake of sharing. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I mean, technical content and, and thought leadership, it's no different than sharing any other content. Um, you know, I think it really just needs to be four things to be effective, which is it needs to be clear, um, tangible, memorable, and and like I said, it needs to be helpful. It needs to provide value. Perfect. So keeping here in the line of uh, technical content, well, basically you gave the answer already, I'd say, but like, uh, how do you see the importance of uh, sharing technical content for brand positioning? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, um, you know, I think positioning technical content next to your brand and next to thought leadership and that, um, I, I think it, it does need to be presented under the umbrella of your brand and it needs to be presented as like, here is the information um, and here's what we're doing with it and here's how that affects you. Perfect. And again, thinking about thought leadership and build, building authority, how, how do you got, how, how are you working in any talks to make it happen? You know, how to, to create this thought leadership, uh, within the marketplace. Um, yeah, we're just, we're trying to create an unwavering brand and we have, um, like I said, Anatox has been in business for a very long time. This is something that was established, um, you know, way before we started putting, um, real effort into digital marketing and stuff like that. Um, we, it already is there. Um, so we just create, you know, we've created this unwavering brand that, um, has a consistent message, um, it's concise, it's cultivated content, um, and it's delivered to the right people. <laughs> can you, and you, you probably like, you probably target to different audiences, right? I don't know, sometimes people more technical, sometimes decision makers that are not necessarily technical people. Uh, how, how do you, how do you target those different accounts? Like you, if you have one, one social media channel, for example, or one blog, how, how do you, do, do you make, you create a community where you have content that will be, you know, aligned with this different, uh, you know, creating a space for everyone to, to get a value from, even if they're technical or they're non-technical yeah. or how do you organize this? Yeah. So, um, so in our marketing department, we work very closely with sales and with our technical teams. Um, and that allows us to sort of create, um, content buckets, I'll say where, you know, we're delivering, um, you know, the information that our, our prospects, our customers are feeding back to us. So whatever they're telling, you know, our tech team or our sales team that they want to hear, we're able to, to talk to that, um, and deliver it appropriately, um, based on just like you said, a buyer persona. Perfect. Custom customer feedback. Essential. Good. Uh, and, and now, uh, talking a little bit about, uh, your productivity and things like how you work, uh, what's your favorite productivity hack? 
Yeah. Um, so I, um, we, I don't do a whole lot of blog writing these days, but, um, one of my, since my background is in writing, one of my favorite productivity hacks is, um, creating a blog outline. And I think it's so important. It's so important to so many different aspects of, um, of content marketing, not just for blogs, by the way, but for landing pages, for anything, anything that you write and, um, you're, you know, trying to get it to reach the masses. Um, they save loads of time. Um, and there's a ton of ways that you can outline a landing page or a blog or a website page, um, any, any piece of content. But, um, I like to use big idea keywords um, and then create relevant subheads underneath them. Um, and I think it also, it keeps the page focused um, and it keeps the brand consistent. Um, and then also, uh, and I know you're a graphic designer, so you can like shame on me later, but <laughs> Canva, everything in Canva, I love Canva, I use it all the time. We, we use it also. Uh... And that's that's about technology. I I don't hate honestly. I don't I don't like using it, but because I'm used it to like adult softwares, so they're a little bit more professional and you know more complex. But that's because I'm uh you know that's my background. That's what uh, like my 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 early profession was. So, but I see a lot of value in Canvas because it you know it makes communication much more accessible for many companies. And sometimes you don't have like a huge team with a graphic designer. I don't know, someone only focused on the layout, someone focused on the copywriting of ads, someone from, for, I don't know, traffic management. So the reality is most of companies, they have like sometimes one, uh, one person army. So this, this tools helps to help. This tools help a lot, a lot, uh, company so i think it's a it's a great innovation and honestly with the development of these tools i i see the people that stay in graphic design they will be much more focused on like high level uh, graphic design not like volume like yeah, things like you do everyday, more in like volume. Sort of yeah everyday posting in social media that's there's mm -hmm. no sense like it's a much better tool in my opinion if you have like a camera where you can you know, be faster, make things happen. You have your identity, you have your templates, and then you organize them and make things work. You need to get your message out there. In the, at the end of the day, you need to, and even though you're not doing just communicating for the purpose of communication, uh, just po posting for posting, you do, in my opinion, you do need consistency. You need do need a presence. So that requires your time and, you know, you got to keep the ball rolling. So that's... That's the thing. I, I like Canva, not for, for my use, but I like the concept, uh, the concept of the, the product. <laughs> and so what are the underrated tools that are indispensable for your job? Um, I think the most underrated tool is, is probably just Google analytics. Um, and I know a lot of people use Google analytics, um, but you know, a lot of people a lot of people either don't because they're able to do, you know, they're able to gather that information from their CRM um, or or they just use some different form or or however they track their metrics. They, you know, I think Google Analytics, it comes off a little, um, a little um, monster like because there's so much information in there and there is a lot of information in there for sure. But um, the main thing that I think people 
don't gather from Google Analytics that they really could is um, SEO information. It's probably the best source of information to build any SEO pro program on. Um, there's a ton of a good SEO toolkits out there for sure. Um, but if the goal is to optimize our content for search engines, well, why would you not use the, the search engine built by the biggest <laughs> yeah. one out there? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's, it, there's just so much in there that you can do. Um, you know, you can, you can find out which pages obviously are, are the highest converting and then make sure that you improve on those pages. And, um, um, you can find keyword opportunities by tracking, um, like internal site search. Um, and you can use annotations to track what's working. You know, if you make a change to your website, if you add a blog, if you add some keywords, whatever you're doing, um, you know, you can track all of that and it'll, I mean, it'll little, literally show you a timeline of, you know, hey, this worked and you can replicate it that easily. Um, so it just takes the guesswork out of it um, and it's free. <laughs> so you can't beat that. Perfect. Yeah. We, we use a lot of Google Analytics in our, uh, here at Wise Analytics. Uh, it does give us great insights. So animation, it's free. So no no excuses. Uh, so, uh, Jody, we are coming to the end of our conversation here, and I'd like to have uh, a few more thoughts from your side, but more like about yourself, your likes, and your vision. So, first, I would like to I would like you to recommend three books to our audience. Yeah. So, um, so I like I've. Like I've said, I'm a writer. Um, I love to write. One of my favorite books on writing is by Anne Had um, Hanley. It's called Everybody Writes. And it's seriously just the most practical book, even if you're not a writer. I mean, it's just, it's so, it, it's so practical. She gives you, um, you know, real life examples, real life problems that writers and, you know, people who maybe don't consider themselves writers struggle with, and then real ways to solve them. Um, whether and and it's practical too for you know whether you just write recreationally just for fun or um, if you do it for a living it's it's so helpful it's such a good book. Um, who who is the the author? Sorry, it's Anne Handley. Handley. Okay, I'm just taking some notes here. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good one. Um, and and it's not it's a super easy read too. Um, it's a good one. But um, and then. I just listened to an audiobook the other um, a few weeks ago called Hero on a Mission by Donald Miller. Um, and it's like the perfect self-help book for a writer because it's he like breaks down the role of storytelling in real life and in different characters' mindsets um, and how you know you can choose to be that character in real life. Um, and that's that's totally fine. But you know, here's here's likely some scenarios on how that's going to play out. Um, and then he talks about, you know, how to get the most out of life by maximizing a heroic mindset. So that that was a good one. I like that one. Um, and then my favorite book ever, and I've gone with the wind. Um, no real reason. It's just the best book ever. Um, Margaret Mitchell is an amazing, the best, the best writer in my opinion. Um, Everybody should go read that at least once in their life. And now about the future. And I asked the quest this question to another guest. And uh, 
my God, 20 years, 20 years feels like it's really hard for, to predict things in for 20 years from now, right now, because things are changing so much. But in your, in your opinion, like how will the world look like in 20 years? And if you want to bring it to 10 years or 50 years up to you, like, but the future, how do you see it? That is, uh, yeah. So I, I was, I am, I'll stick with like the digital marketing aspect, I suppose, because that's where we were. That was the world we were living in, right? Um, so, I, you know, I think, I think marketing, digital marketing will continue to evolve, of course. Um, and we were kind of talking about this in the beginning, you know, I, and I hear people joke too that our attention spans get are getting smaller and smaller um, because the amount of content that we need sometimes you know, in a buying decision is getting smaller, but I don't think that's true. Um, I don't think it's getting smaller. I think that content creators are getting better and more efficient at, um, creating, creating, you know, content to put out there. Um, so I think that that will only get more efficient. I think we'll only get, um, smarter. I think the way that we distribute things will only get smarter. Um, I think we'll see AI, get a whole heck of a lot smarter than it is right now and way more effective. And I think we'll be using it more. Um, and, um, yeah. And I think Facebook will probably finally admit that they've been listening to us the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they don't need to admit. We know it. Like we know. no chance. <laughs> they're not listening to us. Like <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to do a test here beside my phone, talk a little bit about Thailand, taking vacations in Thailand and let, let's there see what, what comes up in my Facebook later. No, yeah. that's, <laughs> it's not going to be the first time if they, if they go right. Yeah. Uh, no, that was great, Jody. Uh, I, uh, thanks a lot for coming over, for being part of this project. Uh, we're, we're looking forward to, you know, bringing other great minds for us to great discussions and maybe see you in the future. I was talking to a few guests. It would be great to have them again in the podcast in the future once our podcast is more established and uh, I am a better prepared host. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were wonderful. Thank you so much, Ricardo. Yeah, thanks, Jody, And thanks for everyone that listened to us and see you on the next episode. Thanks. Bye.